there's 45% recognised reduction in crime, you know, as a result of people coming to Christ. Because it should happen, shouldn't it? It shouldn't just be filling churches, this, this gospel. It should be transforming communities. Right, welcome everybody. This is Simon Gilbo with Inspired. And this week, I'm really excited to have Andy Hawthorn with us. I'm, I'm not into hero worship, but I am into having, you know, healthy heroes. And Andy would be, would be one of my heroes. He's someone that I've... Uh, had the chance to hook up in ministry terms uh, a, a number of times and I absolutely love what they're doing and it's not just me that loves what he's doing because for example he's been awarded an OB from the Queen for his work and for two years running he was voted Sunday Times CEO of the year which means that well that's just great isn't it that secular rec- recognition of a job well done so welcome Andy so guaranteed to be a disappointment after that introduction Simon but it's a joy to be on here with you hi mate it's great to have you well listen let's get straight into it so give us a bit of your background and and how you came to faith yeah so there's a great Christian heritage in my family Uh, my great-grandfather was the first Salvation Army missionary to India a bunch of guys got three months on a boat and went out there and served the poor and the lost and uh, and yet by the time he got to three generations on my mum and dad uh, pretty much lost it and yet they were radically converted through a move of god in hambleton road an old lady led half the women on the streets of the lord to her young wives bible studies and then my dad and most of the men came in too shortly afterwards so from that point and me being about three or four at this age at this stage can't really remember it too much but i was always made to go to church and yet didn't enjoy it too much and uh, actually rebelled as a teenager I made a commitment as a young man, but rebelled as a teenager and got into all sorts of trouble. Um, And then when I was 17, my mum and a bunch of these young wives were praying for me and for my brother, Simon. And uh, every year my mum would buy, buy us a Christian book. And uh, when I was 17 and Simon was 19, uh, he was completely off the rails. He was on drugs in trouble with the police. And he started going out with a girl called Leslie. And Leslie, uh, Simon's girlfriend, uh, went over to Blackpool to visit a, a cousin of hers. And she wandered into a secondhand bookshop, and uh, just a regular secular bookshop. And on the side, this cousin of hers saw a book by an evangelist called Arthur Blessett. Mm-hmm. Probably heard of him, haven't you, yeah. Simon? So Arthur Blessett had written this book, and he'd be doing a mission in Blackpool. And uh, this girl said to my brother's girlfriend, Oh, can I buy that for you? See what you think of this bloke he's been in our school. And so she bought this book called Turned On To Jesus for Simon's girlfriend. And uh, Leslie read it and was so impressed with it that she gave it to her boyfriend, my brother. Simon opened the book and believe it or not, it said, To Simon, with love from mum, Christmas 1974. And this was a book that mum and mum bought for Leslie five years previous. Wow. And... uh, and it got into a, a boyfriend's hands. And we don't know actually to this day how he got off the bookshelf in South Manchester, 50 miles away to Blackpool, Incredible. into his girlfriend's hands and back around to him. But you know what? Women were praying. Hound of Heaven was on the move. And when Simon opened this book, it was like, wow, <laughs> that is to Simon with love from God. And so he read it. And as a result of reading that book, driving down the road in his van, he gave his life to Christ and was radically converted gave up all the nonsense and phoned me up and said, Andy, it's true. You need to come to church with me. I'm going to start going to church again. I've given my life to Jesus. And following Sunday, I went to church with Simon. To be honest, for the first time in like, I don't know, five or six years, and I wasn't that impressed with it, but I felt like I wanted to go back the following week. And for 
about the next six months, I was partying and larging it up in Manchester and Simon was devoted to Christ. And uh, then after six months, he gave his testimony, told the story about the book my mum had bought him and uh, how excited he was with Jesus. And that night, if there'd been an evangelist preaching at that church, I would have gone down the front because I just knew the Lord was speaking to me. But I went home, knelt by my bedside and fully gave my life to Christ, age 17. And looking back, you know, that's like, well, 44 years ago nearly, uh, I really believe God not only just fully saved me, set me on fire, but gave me the gift of an evangelist because next thing I wanted to do was tell all my mates about Jesus and started leading people to Christ and came up with all sorts of funny evangelistic campaigns. Mm-hmm. I remember me and Simon were involved in printing some beer mats that said on one side, come to your local, and on the other side, church. And we did all these <laughs> funny ideas. And, uh, but I had this incredible passion. And, and in that season, uh, we were going to a church, an Anglican church, quite a conservative church called St. Mary's Cheadle. But there was this move of God and the youth group grew from about 12 to 200 in a wow. very short space of time. People were getting saved every week and all kinds of missionaries and ministry leaders and business people who have plowed money into God's work. Just God just did something. Mm. Um, and so I was born into that and I thought it was always going to be like that. But uh, so the first couple of years, I was just riding this wave of blessing and excitement in God. And, and shortly after that, myself and Simon then, well, actually, what happened was I tried to go into, into ministry, even looked at Anglican ministry, which would have been an absolute disaster, oh, I think. Dear. But, but <laughs> I looked at all sorts of options, but nobody seemed to want to have me. And so I went into business with my brother, and we set up a fashion accessory business, um, selling to the big chain stores in London. And I guess because I'm a salesman, it, it went well, and we made a decent amount of money. And, and um, fast forward now to the mid 1980s when i'm about 25 and simon's about 28 lady diana wore a pair of our braces we used to make fashion braces for ladies and and they became the big hit in the uk and we had orders overnight for millions of pairs of these braces and uh not enough people to make them so we borrowed money off the bank bought loads of brace machinery and employed loads of local scallywags our factory was in inner city manchester not for really any better reason and that's where we got the best grants and we uh we manufactured all these braces with the local tearaways the job center discovered here's a business that was so desperate they'd employ anybody (laughs) so we had all these lads joined us mainly lads a few girls as well and dozens of them we employed and there was violence and vandalism and then the breaking started and the factory got covered in graffiti and it was it was carnage but myself and simon you know both committed christians we used to have prayer meetings with the lads and girls every every day and they, they look like what's going on here <laughs> and uh and, but it was their messy lives actually that prompted us in 1987 to come up with an idea to organize manchester's biggest ever youth mission said let's just go for it we've got some resources in this business down the road from our factory was the biggest rock venue in Manchester called the Apollo Theatre then. Let's book the Apollo for a week. Let's get try and get churches to do loads of missions in the inner city to just the kind of kids we're employing. And it was all crazy, naive stuff, but wow, God blessed it. And me and my brother didn't even know what we were doing really. Actually organised Manchester's biggest ever youth mission up to that point. We had the Apollo pack for seven nights and we had 300 
build up events and it was just crazy god seeing our heart and and uh in manchester in many ways and you know i'm not taking the credit for this it was the lord but was known as a real sort of backwater of christianity not much going on mm -hmm. church leaders were quite divided if there was ever a tour you know christian tour it was always manchester had the smallest attendance etc etc and you know tough northern city but god started to move and and churches started to work together and and uh, shortly after that, that we called it the Message 88, the Apollo Theatre. Shortly after that, uh, me and a mate formed this band that we called the Worldwide Message Tribe. And I was still in the business and uh, we set, set up a thing called the Message to Schools. It was all called the Message. And uh, I was just going in spare time out of the business into local inner city schools. And we started to do rap music. And this is at uh, the end of the 80s. Uh, Manchester was like a bit of a centre of world music. It was all these cool rave bands coming out of Manchester. Mm -hmm. So we did this trippy rave music. And it just caught on. Caught on with the school kids. Caught on with lots and lots of people. We we never planned it. We got a deal with Warner Brothers and started selling music all over the world. And saw hundreds of thousands of albums. And got invited to do all these big gigs and award ceremonies in the states and all this mad stuff and we just wanted to be schools workers in manchester and uh we'd said i remember me and mark just uh had said when we formed the band which is just me and him basically doing some rap music to to the platform for the gospel we said if we ever make anything out of this band it's going to be plowed back into kingdom work and we're never gonna you know we're never gonna if we ever ever got any sort of a record deal we're never going to keep the money we're just going to give it all away and i just think i don't know I'm, I'm, and we're not going to take big gigs we're going to just focus on as the focus you know the priority we're going to focus on schools first thing is book 35 schools weeks a year in manchester and then if we can get any more so initially i was doing that i was just getting away from the business part-time and then i just loved it so much that simon carried on with the business and funded what message to schools as a charity me and mark pennells he was called is called a mate of mine and uh again it, there's that there's a verse that i love simon that you probably know that says the eyes of the lord range the earth looking for a heart heart fully committed fully to me. committed that's right yeah, that man or that woman of course i'll strongly support and definitely with the worldwide message tribe god just strongly supported us i really couldn't sing dance or rap <laughs> I, I just did this funny kind of rapping like a demonized member of Sesame Street. <laughs> Genuinely, I would go into schools and go, jumping in the house of God. And uh, everyone would go, that's amazing. I'm like, no, it's not. It's awful. But and genuinely, we, we signed all these mad record deals and, and sold hundreds of thousands of albums. And it was the Lord. It just seeing a heart and wanting to give us a platform. And of course, the Lord knows the end from the beginning, knows what was going to happen beyond that. And so, yeah, so I, we left the business and set up this charity with Mark, with two of us. Brilliant. And uh, downscaled my lifestyle. And from now on in, it's all about reaching young people for Jesus. Mm. So I remember back in the late 80s, I mean, I was well, a teenager, hearing about the Worldwide Message Tribe and the message and not really knowing what the difference was. Right. So the message basically is the charity, right. the umbrella for the, and the Worldwide Message Tribe was one of the ministries initially it was all we had all we had was me and mark pennells and some volunteer dancers from our youth group going into schools doing evangelism but we set up a charity 
initially it was called the message to schools trust mm -hmm. so that was the umbrella the message the worldwide message tribe was one of the bands right so now we've got you know lots of bands and lots of other stuff we do um and i'm sure you've got loads yeah. of stories of you know mass superb life transformation give us a few of those well we you know the lovely thing about the message is every week we have stories of life transformation mm. my favorite story from this last week is a girl called nikita who we started to do these things i'd love to tell you about before the end of this little chat called community groceries mm -hmm. as a kind of response to the pandemic we've set up groceries we've got eight of them so far we've got a vision to have 40 by the end of next year and they're full-on shops like a supermarket mm -hmm. where you know members of of the community who are really struggling could come for three pounds do a full shop we've also got alpha running alongside it and christians against poverty courses and and um and it training and healthy cooking classes it's just amazing mm. thousands of families have now become members we only started this six months ago mm. but my favorite story from the last week is a girl called nikita who was a is a traveler part of the traveling community and she was kicked out it often happens and at that point they can often become completely no connections they just disassociate themselves and and she couldn't read and write this girl and she came to the community grocery with her baby in the most knackered trolley I've ever seen. And Danielle, who works with me here, the message said to her, oh, can we help get your new trolley? And she said, yeah, I had to get this one off the tip because I've got no money mm. and I haven't been able to sign up for benefits because I can't read and write. So but the council had given her a house and we went to see a house. I didn't go, Danielle went and it was a complete wreck, a house. So we helped do up her house and got a new trolley and came alongside her, helped to get her benefits sorted and with all kinds of challenges and debt she was in. But anyway, that was about a month ago. And so she then joined the community grocery here in Manchester and uh, we helped with lots of stuff. And anyway, last week she gave her life to Christ, which we were thrilled with. And um, she said two days later, she said, you know what? A month ago, I was really thinking, um, I just need to start taking drugs. I just need something to fill this awful void, this horrible hole. Mm -hmm. I just need to get take drugs. And uh, But now I've got this joy inside and that hole's been filled and I, I don't need to do that because I've got Jesus. And that story to me mm. is the difference between, because Satan is so sneaky. He's always got a plan to steal, kill and destroy. Yeah. Somebody who's absolutely at the end of themselves and he's desperate and in debt and has been, you know, kicked out by the family. Satan would love to come in then. Let's get him addicted to drugs. Let's get him on the next step down here. Let's get him addicted. Let's get him in prison. Let's get him away from the kids. Satan's always got a plan to steal, kill and destroy. Mm. But Jesus has got a plan. It's called life and life to the full, isn't it? He's yeah. what's the best. And Jesus has intersected Satan's plan for Nikita. And now it's onwards and upwards. And the church has come alongside her. Uh, she's set free and set on fire. That basically is the message bottled. What's happened in that young woman's life this week. So, and we're excited for the future for her. Yeah. Wonderful. And over the years, have you had uh, your stereotypical Nikki Cruz type conversions, drug drug dealers, ending up in ministry, all, all that sort of stuff? Yeah, I mean, my one of our best one of our best evangelists is a lad called Nick, um, and Nick for some reason Nick really took a shine to me, and uh, I got to know the guy, 
And he would always, if I ever invited him, as long as I picked him up, he would always come and hear me preach. And so for about five years, I would probably once a month pick Nick up, take him to hear me preach, do long extended appeals while all lots of other people came to Christ. And Nick would never respond. He'd always sit on the back row. Mm-hmm. But he would always, and I spent a long time with this guy. And it's like, almost like the more he heard me preach, the worse his life got. He got into drug dealing and three suicide attempts and all sorts of chaos and violence. And then, annoyingly, Nick went to hear a Nigerian evangelist preach in Manchester <laughs> and gave his life to Jesus. And he came to see me the next day at the message. And he, he, I'm like, hi, mate, you look different. Oh, yeah, I've finally done it, Andy. I gave my life to Christ last night. And he said, I need to work for the message. I said, well, mate, obviously, you're probably not ready. We can help you. But I know I need to work for the message. He said, I'll do anything. I don't need to be paid. I'll clean the toilets. I just need mm. to be around you guys now. So I took a flyer and put this guy who was still living with his girlfriend and still doing a bit of weed on the side, but had obviously been radically changed. Put him on our academy program, which is all these shiny, spirit-filled young adults. And Nick was on the academy program. And during that year, he dealt with all sorts of demons and properly got set on fire. And he's now, you know, that's like 10 years ago. He's now one of our very best evangelists who's an amazing role model in prison leading people to Jesus left, right and center. And he became an incredible rapper and uh, has just won an award, a secular award in the States for the best new song, which is a full on song about his testimony. Um, And he's just amazing. So that's Nick is like a, one of my proper trophies and we've got, got lots of them, but they're the stories because you just, the the beautiful thing about somebody like, so now Nick, has married his, the girl he was living with and she's on fire for Jesus and leading the ministry and I was best man at their wedding and and they're now bringing up the kids in the Lord and multiple repercussions in their family and, and actually in all sorts of gangs across Manchester because they're connecting with him through his rap music and it's just precious. The ripples of one person who truly gets saved it's amazing isn't it, it that's is. what i've been in why why would you want to be a prime minister if you could be an evangelist i reckon amen yeah and uh am i right that at certain stages the police would recognize your impact in terms of crime crime rates decreasing that sort of stuff yeah definitely i mean we've had we've had some belting i remember one we did a big mission in manchester called message 2000 and uh so which we had the Manchester Arena, which had then become the biggest. It wasn't built when we first started, but that had become the biggest biggest venue in Manchester. And we had like, I don't know, 12,000 screaming kids there. But this police officer who who wasn't a Christian, Bob Collier at that point, he now is a full-on Christian, but he stood up uh, in the arena and he said, can I just say to you guys, how do you get crime to completely stop in an estate for two weeks while you've been here for this mission. How do you get crime to completely stop for two weeks in Manchester's worst crime area when there would normally be dozens of call-outs a night? How do you get that to stop? And he still went, and he said, send you lot in. And we'd been praying and witnessing and doing up all the gardens and crime had completely stopped. And on the back of that, there's 45% recognized reduction in crime, oh, you know, as a result of people coming to Christ. Because it should happen, shouldn't it? It shouldn't just be filling churches, this this gospel. It should be transforming communities. So, yeah, and, and our strategy of going after the hardest to reach is, 
is how that happens really wonderful um so did that tie in i mean when you got when you get re- secular recognition uh, i mean what was your obe for yeah it was for services to young people in manchester yeah that was a that was a completely unexpected thing and you got to be careful with those things as well you know some people say it stands for old big head because you can <laughs> Because you can't be that way, can't you know, if you're not careful. Because it's obviously, we've got 700 Eden workers, you know, people who've moved into these deprived communities and all these people who are sacrificing more than me. And I get the I get the recognition. But I, I liked it that, you know, it was for services to young people in Manchester. And I remember actually going to Buckingham Palace and um, queuing up there with all the, you know, Tim Brooke Taylor was there and Jessica Ennis and, and, and also lots of, brilliant people who've done great work in the community but the guy came out in all his fancy regalia and said ladies and gentlemen uh, the person who will be awarding said giving out the awards today is his royal highness uh, prince charles the prince of wales and there was an audible oh, oh shit. <laughs> it must be it must be awful being prince charles oh. and the cases like that because everyone's like we really wanted the queen yeah no <laughs> so, i'm with you because i mean i got a lesser award i got an mbe and uh, uh and uh, likewise i mean the queen was upstairs but i think she had been doing 45 functions that week of course so thought, yeah, yeah. yeah you can have a day off love yeah but anyway prince charles was lovely actually and i've, I've been to prince charles house and showed him videos about about the message and the work we're doing and but and he's, he's been very warm and gracious but you know on occasion like that you really would like the queen wouldn't you so anyway anyway yeah. but i'm not complaining folks i'd love it if you're enjoying these podcasts and getting inspired that's the whole purpose of it if you could spread the word give us a five-star rating on itunes and if you want to be in touch with me you can do so on simongilbo.com or any of the social media platforms all right let's get back to the podcast and the, and the sunday times awards yeah, that was a bit mad, really. Uh, Sunday, Sunday Times do a um, Best Companies Awards. I, I wasn't like CEO; I was Charity CEO of the year. Right, but it was it was against all the massive charities, you know, massive secular charities, and we got the chance to stand up in front of them all and witness for Christ, which is quite something. The day of the the last so. There's a, it's a big, big swanky charity awards ceremony in, in London and there's a top hundred charities and also, you know, like Royal Institute for the Blind and all, all uh, National Trust, all the, some really the biggest charities in the UK and this scruffy Manchester Christian charity. But <laughs> um, it was the day Billy Graham died, the last one, because that's okay. how I remember it. And it was, it was the day my wife found a secondary cancer Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was the day my right-hand man, who I'd been invested in for two years, suddenly left the charity. I, you know, and and it was the day in the morning I was invited to this high school to present awards. Uh, there's like an awards, you know, an awards ceremony at an Anglican high Church of England high school. And that was how the day started before I got on the train to London for this awards ceremony. Mm-hmm. I didn't even know what it was. And I walked in this school reception in North Manchester. And in the reception, there were pictures of Bono, you know, the rock star, Mm -hmm. Kaka, the footballer, Andrew White, you know, the vicar of Baghdad, and me. And I'm like, why is my picture up in your reception? They said, oh, we've been studying your life and the life of the message in RE. And there's 500 schools that have been doing this program. And they've all been encouraged to do 
good work in their community on the back of it. So we've set up a prayer garden in the town. We've written to persecuted Christians. We've done all this social action in the town. And I didn't know any of this. I was literally mm. like, what? And I went so, I was like so encouraged, so excited that that would even happen, that God would allow that. And I ended up praying with all these kids. They had a communion service in this Church of England, regular Church of England school. And it was amazing. And then I got on the train. My wife found a secondary cancer, which has been, you know, ongoing for the last three years, and God's helping us through that. My, my uh, and then in in the evening, uh, well, my right hand man handed in his notice in tears. It was just like what? And in the evening, we swept the board. It wasn't just I won chief executive of the year. The message trust won charity of the year. Wow! So we were the number one charity, and it was just this. I mean, talk about roller coaster. Yeah of emotions and and god what are you up to it's just, it, and it was like a month of prayer and fasting at the message yeah and we'd given ourselves to this month where going through john studying a chapter in john every day fasting and praying and god did a massive shake up but also showed us what he could do mm. so yeah crazy season so prayer fasting that'd be at the, at the absolute bedrock of your philosophy would it yeah my my kind of little strap line that I always say to people is I only have, I don't even have a job description, probably should have, but I started it. But if I did have, I say it would have two lines on it. Keep prayer hot, keep mission hot. My job is twofold as leader, founder of the message. Make sure, test the prayer temperature. So every day we meet to pray. We have seasons of prayer and fasting. We have whole days given over. I mean, you've, come to one of our days haven't you i think simon yeah, spoke where we we just give the whole day and I, you know i crack the whip everybody's got to come in started with i think we started in a couple of years in when we had about four or five of us meeting in this little side room at this church now it'll be three you know pre-covid times it'll be 300 of us piled in from all over the all over the country and a, a big video screen and great band up the front and all power pack testimonies. But yeah, that, that has really, really kept us going. I'm convinced that that prayer commitment to prayer, you know, I'm not making out I'm a great man of prayer. I'm not, I wish I was better at it, but I know that unless we keep prayer hot, we're never going to see the things uh, we want God to, to do in this season. Uh, yeah, so prayer is absolutely foundational, and I test the prayer temperature and and constant. Have you know people on team? Their job is to mobilise prayer within the message, and we're constantly trying to raise prayer warriors for the message. So yeah, mm, and I love it. That, you know, and it, the church is so on the back foot in this country. I remember seeing you. I think you're addressing the was it the Scottish Parliament just standing up there, and whether it's there just preaching the gospel or through your work you know you're not you're not toning down the message to access secular funding are you yeah no and i have literally i have literally said to my trustees will you please if i ever take any money off anybody where we can't proclaim christ please sack me and get <laughs> someone else in because it's always the temptation as you, your charity grows and we are now multi-million pound charity always the temptation to go after those government pots try and do good works but if you carefully remove the gospel we just lose our authority and there's only jesus can change the human heart mm. and only you know only that's why it is a real investment in true gospel ministry like what you're doing uh simon and what you've done in burundi it's just 
it's the only stuff that really is going to change nations yeah. is one human heart at a time changed and, and Jesus can change the hardest heart. We That's know that, right. don't we? It's so encouraging. I mean, the, the, I kicked off this podcast series with my mate Ed Walker, who you also know, Hope Into Action. And it's lovely when people are ref, refuse to compromise their, their their sort of DNA, their spiritual DNA, and they're out with it. And, and, and sort of despite that, secular authorities, you know, he was getting the Garden, Guardian Charity Homelessness Project of the Year. You know, you guys getting recognised. I mean, we're not into those sort of uh, awards, are we? Because we got the audience the one we're trying to please. But it's lovely when you know, a sort of a crowd that would you'd expect to be against you are actually recognising that you cannot deny the result. That policeman standing up saying, how on earth do you stop crying for two weeks? Nothing else can happen. Yeah, um, and the guy, and then, then the guy becomes a Christian. That's the lovely thing. Yeah. Because he sees the power of it. Hardened yeah. copper who's worked mm. in these very deprived estate. You can't deny. Yeah. There's only, some things only God can do. So, yeah, yeah definitely. So you mentioned earlier those 700 well, currently 700 Eden workers. Tell, tell us about the whole Eden concept. Well, with the, so we're going back quite a few years now, uh, but with the Worldwide Message Tribe, you know, we tried very hard to do missions, week-long schools missions in the hardest communities. And so in, 1980, in 1997, the most deprived neighbourhood in Britain out of 40,000 wards was called Bench Hill in Withenshaw. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was, you know, it was like the Wild West, like drug dealers and prostitutes hanging on the corners and drive-by shootings and stuff. It was like literally the worst place to live. And there were two high schools and we did a week in each mm. and, and booked the big venue, the Forum Centre in Withenshaw. And uh, we did a gig and 700 kids came along and uh, I preached and 100 gave their life to Christ. And what was real, we used to have like a response room and, it was really, really powerful in the response room. Real sense of the roughest, toughest kids in Manchester, in the roughest, toughest ward in Britain, were giving their life to Jesus and really meaning it. And, uh, you know, what would happen at the end of the Worldwide Message Tribe gigs? We'd do all this crazy rap music. And then we'd have a ballad at the end uh, called The Cross, and they'd have all images of the cross on the screen. And, and it would either, at that point, kick off and, you know, there's a change in atmosphere. There'd be a mass fight or everybody would move in on the girl they'd been waiting to play tonsil tennis with. <laughs> or, or, you know, and they're like, this is the ballad at the end of the night. And I'm like, stop it. I'm trying to preach the cross here. Or there would be this amazing sense of God's presence, which often happened. And that happened in the worst ward in Britain. And those hundred kids not only made a commitment that night, but they all turned up for church on Sunday. Mm. And we were working with a church of about, 25 people and and all these these crazy kids came in who had some kind of encounter with christ two days before and our kind of foundational scripture i told you about you know booking the apollo theater are mm. slightly arrogantly and naively in 1987 and and i when i got home and we'd had the idea i said oh lord if it really is you would you speak to me through the bible and that night my set reading was isaiah 43 uh, see I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. There'll mm. be rivers in the desert. Do you not perceive it? There'll be rivers in the desert, streams in the wasteland. The wild animals will honor me. Those are formed to declare my praise. And I, I, I haven't left those verses, I don't think, in, in uh, over 30 years. And that was like perfect picture of what happened that night in Bench Hill. Like these kids who 
it would be a fair description, many of them wild animals. They'd started to honour the Lord and there was a river flowing in a very dry place. And But we knew that a church of, you know, 25 people could never disciple 100 kids with so many issues. Mm. And so Mike Pilavaitchi invited us actually to just do a missionary call for Bench Hill at Soul Survivor that summer with the band. And we went round soul survivors and we ended up with over 300 people volunteering to move into bench hill wow because we said it's the missionary call move in move from the nice places to the tough places following christ we did exactly that mm. and we scaled that 300 nod down to the crack 25 young adults mainly who moved in to just disciple those kids and try and see transformation come and it was a precious precious thing the first time I ever spoke publicly about Eden, I gathered a bunch of leaders in, in Manchester, in the centre of Manchester, and I told them what we were trying to do. And I said, would you pray for us? Would you please give us some money? Because we want to employ full-time staff. Would you encourage some of your peepers to be volunteer workers who move into these this tough place? Everyone knew what Bench Hill was like. And sure enough, they said they would. And I left that meeting with again with my brother, quite excited. And I went outside the church and where the meeting was a big car park sat in my car with simon talking about it and a guy came and knocked on the car window and i wound the window down and he said oh excuse me lads i don't know if you're christians if you understand this kind of thing but i've been sat there eating my sandwiches reading my bible and i feel compelled to read you these scriptures and mm -hmm. simon said wow, you better get in the back, mate. <laughs> and he didn't know us. He didn't know we're Christians. Didn't know five minutes before we'd come out of the, you know, this meeting where we talked about Eden for the first time. Mm -hmm. And he said, I think these verses might be for you. And it was Psalm 37, verses 5 to 11, where it says, commit your way to the Lord, trust in him, and he'll do this. The righteousness of your cause will shine like the noonday sun. Be patient and wait on the Lord, because the meek will inherit the land and enjoy great peace. Yes. basically just epic scriptures for Eden. <laughs> yeah. The righteousness of the cause, you know, Christians moving in to live in those tough neighborhoods, that's God's cause. And he promised we're going to see a land inherited for Jesus that day. So in the back of that, we launched Eden Bench Hill and then started to roll more out. And, you know, um, 50 odd Eden teams later, we've had over 700 people move in and we were negotiating on another 30 plus Eden teams right now to see hundreds more people make that kind of anonymous I guess Worldwide Message Tribe and the big festivals the big gigs we do is more like lamp on a stand city on a hill but the real heroes are the salt and yeast people the people just go in and serve and love in these really deprived communities and in the prisons so yeah Eden's just been an amazing thing Wonderful. Uh, have all these Eden teams been total successes? Oh, no, you won't be surprised to know. <laughs> We've had some utter nightmares over the years. Mm. And even in the early days, I mean, we would regularly go home with black eyes and the absolute chaos. We'd gather all these kids and, and we you just duck and dive. And, and I guess, you know, the, I mentioned uh, Salvation Army early days, my great grandfather and those those early days is absolutely our inspiration. Mm -hmm. uh, we haven't seen anything like the Salvation Army, so it was just a move of God amongst the poor. But they done. But I've realised that 
you know, like without really trying and planning it, we've been reinventing what they were doing. You know, the, the brass bands were the music of the dance hall and the nightclub you'd never have in church, never have in church. Mm-hmm. And the, the jobs they provided and the, the prison gate ministry and the, uh, the feeding the poor and just so much of what they did, but just the next level globally is what we've been trying to do for the last few years. But they also had to embrace suffering. Uh, that was a you know a, a actual value. Get used to it. There's going to be opposition. And in the early days of Eden, we had loads of opposition from churches and bishops and various people just because we were partnering with the wronged people, you know. And it, and uh, that's really hard. And so yeah, it's not been you know one glory story to the next. But I, you know, I do actually look back in awe and can see that God's definitely done more than I could have asked or imagined when, you know, two scruffy guys formed a band called the Worldwide Message Tribe, yeah. Yeah. And uh, looking forward, what gets you excited now? Well, there's there's a bunch of things. I feel like I was talking to one of our trustees this morning and during COVID, I genuinely feel like God's done 20 years work in 12 months. Really? I feel like that's happening in the church. There's a bit of a reformation going. If we can embrace this Mm. and God's looking for faith, you know, some people are in despair and defeat and discouragement and shutting the churches up. But those of us who are lifting our eyes and looking at the harvest, God is doing something amazing. Nicky Gumbel said to me a couple of weeks ago, this is literally the greatest evangelistic opportunity of our lifetime. Mm. So I'm excited about that. Mm. I'm excited to, to see 40 of these groceries that are much more than groceries, the, the mission hubs where we'll have 50,000 members and I believe tens of thousands of the poorest members of society coming to Christ in the next 18 months. And, you know, if anybody wants to talk to the message, if you've got a heart to feed the poor and preach the gospel, um, we'd love to talk to you. Uh, so I'm excited about that. I'm also excited about organizing something called Festival Manchester in the summer of 22. I mean, some people may think we're bonkers <laughs> thinking about gathering 100,000 people in a massive park in 2022, but we really believe it's the Lord. And uh, we're planning the biggest outreach Manchester's ever seen, which isn't just a weekend, you know, where we'll have huge gathering of people and preach the gospel. It's, a, it's months of build-up, visiting, trying to visit every school and put lots of, you know, thousands, well, 3,000 strong choirs together in the primary schools, visit hundreds of secondary schools, massive outpouring of social action, try and get every kid who's waiting for foster and adoption, have the opportunity to be adopted into a Christian family and so many things, you know, we're, we're really going for it like we've never gone before. I'm also extremely excited about something we're calling advance, Mm -hmm. which Five years ago, again, here's a here's a classic, more than you could ask or imagine. Five years ago, I gathered 12 young guys. I went away on a retreat, which is often when my best ideas come, I think. Um, but I went away and I had the idea that maybe I should just gather some of our younger evangelists once a month to just pray together, sharpen each other, be super accountable and challenge them to think about within 12 months gathering other evangelists around them. And I got one of the girls at the message. I kept it single sex. Two groups started five years ago. I said, let's keep it single sex. So it's very accountable in terms of lifestyles. Just let's be vulnerable and before the Lord. And so we ask each other all these questions about 
all that stuff. So, so I started the first advanced group anyway, five years ago, just over. And uh, it's gone nuts. I mean, mm. it couldn't make it up. There's over 60 nations now running advanced groups, well over a thousand groups, Beautiful. multiple thousand evangelists. We believe by this time next year, we'll be in a hundred nations because we know where the next 30 nations are. We're translating these these materials which are equipping and multiplying evangelists as fast as we possibly can into anywhere we can find anybody who we believe will faithfully multiply these groups and share these materials. We'll fund them. We'll fund the translations. And it just just feels like God really likes that. So his hands massively on that. So there's a whole bunch of things, new things that I'm excited about as well. And are you going to slow down at some stage? You know, if if you ask me what my big prayer request was, mm-hmm. as people have had last week, I say that I can just get it right for the next twenty years. You know, I'll be sixty-one soon, and or however long God gives me, what's the best I can bring to the message? Can't imagine slowing down. I can imagine perhaps flying at altitude a bit more and uh, releasing some of these young guys who are doing doing so amazing and helping lead the message, but. Perhaps, you know, slow down time might be at the, the Lord's banquet. <laughs> what do you reckon? Yeah, yeah. I'm hoping to be all in until that time. Yeah, That's there's it. no such thing as coasting in self-indulgence from retirement to the grave. I mean, yeah. what a dull sort of reason to yeah. live. Well, thanks for modelling it. Listen, um, last few minutes, um, is there anything that we haven't covered that you'd really want to cover? And I'd like to ask you along the lines of, you know, what are your key sort of life mantras that you live by? I think I've talked about all the stuff. It would just be great to to let people know, you know, what the website, if you go to message.org.uk or you can email Andy Hawthorne, andy.hawthorne at message.org.uk. Uh, if you wanted to partner with the message anyway, I, I really say, and I really mean it, that our first thought is partnership. We cannot get this job done on, on our own, but, I believe God's given enough resources to his church to reach every man, woman, and child. If we just work smart, if we just shifted our resources to where it really counts, we could preach the gospel to every person and we could see every need met in Jesus' name. That's the kind of resources that are in the church with God's power behind us. So, you know, I want partnership to be the first thought. So if any church wants to partner, any individual, just let us know and we'd we'd be blessed to have a go at that together. In terms of life messages, I think I'd say keep the main thing the main thing and the main person and the main thing, the the one it's all about is Jesus. Just keep Jesus front and center. He's amazing. You know, I still get confused with stuff in the Bible, you know, 40 (laughs) odd years after becoming a Christian. Mm. uh, And some of it I'm more confused about than ever, but then I look at Jesus, Mm. focus my attention on Jesus and it all makes sense. And he's amazing and captivating. And, and uh, so my job really as founder of the message is to keep Jesus central, keep him central to your life, keep your walk with him fresh, share the good news about his cross and resurrection. And, uh, God will look after the rest, I believe. You know, obviously, yes, I said keep prayer hot. Uh, work on your devotional life. Make sure you've got good mates. Mates are on the mission with you who you can be vulnerable with. You know, 
I told Simon I've got to go in 15 minutes. And the reason is we have this thing we call, we call it, it's a joke actually, Friday fellowship at five. But we have a bunch of lads at the message. We 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 go, we taste different beers every other Friday and we have a laugh and we make, we have a competition making the best burgers we can and just laugh together and have banter. And you need that stuff as well on on the journey, yeah. Brilliant. Well, Andy, you provide me with some good laughs as well as challenge inspiration. I've sat here, you know, and this is the ideal at the end of the podcast. We sat there with a great big satisfied smile of just, well, inspiration. I feel inspired. And so we'll call it a day there. I hope you've been inspired too. If you want to be in touch with me, you can do that at simongilbo.com or any of the social media platforms. I'd love it if you gave us a five-star review on iTunes and spread the word. Next week, we'll have someone else equally inspiring. Different feels, isn't it great? All the different feels, people's walks. You know, don't try to be anyone else. Just run the race that the Lord has marked out for you. But be all in. And uh, thanks for modelling that to me and to many others, Andy. All the best, bro. God bless. Cheers, Simon. All right, guys. Toodaloo.